Hello, and welcome back to Newfound Pod, a bite-sized podcast about Newfoundland. I'm your host, Debbie Wiseman, and this is episode 25. Happy Halloween! Yes, it's my favorite time of year again. Last year, I shared with you some spooky folk tales from Newfoundland. This year, I'll be doing that again, but this week, I wanted to do something a little different. This episode, I'm going to read a spooky story written by a Newfoundland author. His name is Keith Daniels, and he's written a few short and scary stories. Kids these days call them creepypastas, but I really don't like that word. I just call them scary stories. I'm old. Keith's stories take place in Newfoundland. This one ties into another one I heard being narrated recently, and I'll link that telling along with Keith's website on the blog, and you can read more of his stories there. His work is fantastic, and I hope I can do this story justice. And just a warning, This story contains some colorful language. I was going to ask permission from Keith to change it so I could maintain my clean rating, but I don't really feel comfortable asking an author if I can change their words, so I'm leaving it in. So I'll be cursing a few times. And if you aren't okay with that, you can stop listening and come back next week, but I hope you do stay and give it a chance. I know some of you listen with kids, so I wanted to include the warning. With that being said, this is The Balcony by Keith Daniels. I sat, staring blankly at the screen, for how long I can't be quite sure. Desperate for something to watch, read, listen to, in search of some stimulation that might exhaust my mind to the point where going to bed seemed like a good idea. I closed my eyes and strained hard, pressing for some idea of what to type in the search bar, but nothing came. It wasn't apparent to me how long I had been sitting there, postponing sleep, gazing with glazed eyes at the monitor and refreshing the same social network feeds over and over again, waiting for some fuckwit I didn't know or care about to update the world on their life happenings. Nothing changed, though. It was well past 2 a.m. and most people were rolling over, ripping up the sheets and drooling on their pretty pillowcases. Somewhere between the ears, a sharp pain fired off and I realized I had a headache. Oh, great. Again. I reached for the bottle of ibuprofen sitting conveniently by my computer mouse and washed two of them down with the last mouthful of my warm beer. Refresh. Nothing happening. Couldn't think of a song to listen to. Refresh. Same thing. No ideas for articles to read. Refresh. Nothing. They're all sleeping, damn it. I snapped the laptop lid shut went to look out the window. There was a street lamp directly across the street from my little apartment, which I suppose was the reason I hated going to bed so much. One of the reasons, anyways. There wasn't much to look at outside, either. Thin blanket of snow on the ground. Still cars in the neighbor's driveway. Couldn't see the stars. Must have been cloudy. The apartment was even less interesting. A pile of half-read novels lined up on the shelf, arranged by size from biggest to smallest. Dimensions, not pages. Drying rack full of dishes that were probably dry by now, but that could wait until tomorrow. Old, flower-patterned couch, made even more garish by the bright blue and yellow striped blanket hanging over the back. And the walls. The walls were the thing I hated most. Painted in that inoffensive, bland mind-numbingly expressionless light beige 
that seemed to be omnipresent in every fucking apartment I'd ever been in. What I wouldn't have given to paint those fucking walls. It would have been worth it, even if the damn landlord kept my damage deposit. Leaving the window, I paced along the wall, dragging my hand as I had done over and over again in moments of boredom. Around the kitchen and living room, divided by a half wall and made distinct by a clumsy architectural divider that reached off from the main wall by a couple of feet, and around the corner to the short and narrow hallway that led to my bedroom on the left and bathroom at the end. Strolled lazily into the bedroom, flicked on the light, looked around, flicked it off, and walked out again. Stopped for a quick piss in the bathroom, frowned in the mirror, then made my way back to the chair. I started flicking through the books on the shelf, but I couldn't decide which one to read, so I gave up and sat down on the horrendous couch, staring out the sliding glass balcony door. And that's when I saw it. At first, I thought my glasses were skewed. I took them off and gave them a ritual wiping in my t-shirt and put them back on again. No, it was still there. Hmm, that's weird. It wasn't anything shocking, nor was it one of those things that caused you to jump up in outrage. It just seemed a little bit odd. I had been looking at the picture frame sitting on the half wall that stretched partway across the floor between the kitchen and the living room, which was perpendicular to the couch I was sitting on and something about it didn't look quite right. The picture frame was all right. The half wall looked right, as much as any half wall can, but there was something funny about where it joined to the outer wall of the apartment. I couldn't be quite sure what it was exactly, but it seemed like the outer wall was a good foot or more farther away from me on the kitchen side than it was on the living room side. I gave it a frown, then a giggle. Obviously, the landlord had done a bad job with the renovations, and had done some miscalculations, and the inner paneling on the kitchen side was curved on one end. I didn't know much about carpentry, but I had a basic understanding. Yeah, that's it. I got up, walked to the fridge for another beer, and glanced at the wall again. My explanation didn't convince me, as the wall looked flat as a wall could be. It was the damnedest thing, because from the kitchen side, the wall looked perfectly normal. Maybe it was the other side that was off. But I strolled back to the living room, and the wall on that side looked normal, too. It didn't make sense. I decided to forget about it, and set myself back on the couch and opened my beer. But there it was again. The wall in the kitchen looked farther than it should be. Or the living room wall looked too close. It was hard to tell which was the case, but something was off, that much was certain. I took a gulp of beer and got up again. I walked over to the corner in the kitchen and ran my hand along the wall near the floor. It certainly looked like things were joining up at right angles. I did the same on the living room side. It looked perfectly normal. I even grabbed a book and stuck it between the floor and the wall and slid it across on both sides. And in both rooms, the book fit snugly where the floor and wall met. Then I did the same between the wall and the room divider. Perfectly right angles. I sat back on the couch again and now it seemed even more apparent. It was as if the kitchen was longer than the living room, and impossibly so, as they both shared the same square space and outer wall of the building. It didn't make sense. The wall to the left was definitely further than it was on the right side of the half wall, but how could that be? I shuffled my way around the rooms, observing the dimensions with squinting discretion, from every conceivable angle. 
No curve, no obvious deviations. If I could believe what my eyes were seeing, and I had no reason to doubt them before now, the kitchen should be protruding from the side of the building by about 12 to 15 inches. I was flabbergasted. It just shouldn't be. Even the thickness of the walls, which I guessed at about 6 inches, wouldn't account for such an error. It wasn't the way that geometry worked, but when I looked again from the couch, the difference between the distances on the two sides was impossible to ignore. What the hell? Surely, I thought, that there must be some mistake, and the wall was joined awkwardly, and I just hadn't noticed it before. I'd have to go out on the balcony to reassure myself, and take a look at the outside wall of the building. The balcony ran the entire length of the kitchen living room wall, placing the discontinuity about halfway down its length. Surely the exterior of the wall would reveal an outward jump. Now it made sense. I couldn't believe I had noticed it before. I slid open the glass door and tiptoed out into the winter air, the thin snow layer crunching and squeaking under my socks. But to my surprise, the wall was entirely flat. I flicked on the balcony light to be sure. Perfectly flat. Straight, with no visible joints or angles anywhere. I pressed my hands hard against the cold vinyl siding and ran them from the sliding glass door all the way to the railing at the end. Defeated, I made my way back inside and slid the door shut. I peeled off my wet socks and hung them over the edge of the bathtub to dry and retreated back to the couch once more, rubbing my cold feet. It was at this point I started to feel uncomfortable, in a way that was almost indescribable. The very image of what I was seeing didn't make sense. It was such a departure from simple logic that my brain couldn't concoct any sort of explanation at all. The sensation that trickled over me was something that I can only describe as the opposite of deja vu. The sheer, unfamiliar, and nonsensical nature of the wall was all I could think about. I had to prove to myself that it wasn't real. I stomped down the hall to my bedroom, bare feet slapping on the floor, snatched my belt off the dresser, and brought it out. I moved the chair, slid the kitchen table out of the way so I had a quick, clear path around the half wall. I even took the picture frames off the half wall and laid them on the table, nothing to get in the way. I started on the right side. I let the belt buckle touch the outer wall and pulled it tight. The distance from the wall to the ends of the divider was about half the length of the belt. I pinched my fingers hard on the belt, marking the length I had measured. Now, I marched around to the kitchen put the belt buckle against the wall, and pulled the belt tight. Impossible, I thought. It was truly impossible. The belt wouldn't even reach from the wall to the end of the divider. I leaned against the wall, my mind worrying with thoughts and questions. The one thought that dominated my being was that the space I was standing in, leaning against that wall, should not exist. If common sense were any sense at all, I should be on the balcony right now, staring at the vinyl siding on the outside of the building. A sudden feeling of dread washed over me. I felt hot and sick and shaky. I started to wonder what might happen if I were to close my eyes, but at that thought, the fear became so intense that I jumped away from the wall and ran to the bathroom where I promptly retched up my beer and what undigested remains there were of my supper. What was happening to me? I had to sleep. Yes, that's it. 
I was exhausted, and it had been a long week. Maybe it was the headache pills, I thought. I had downed them with alcohol, after all. And mixing drugs with booze can do crazy stuff, right? Closed my eyes hard, nodding my head, trying to convince myself that I had to be hallucinating. I was sleep-deprived. I needed sleep. I flushed the toilet, brushed my teeth, splashed water on my face, and turned to look down the hall. I realized then that I had left the balcony door ajar, and the cold winter air was putting a chill in the apartment. I started, but stopped again, when my peripheral vision revealed to me something which unnerved me in a way I had never known. It was at that point which I began to think I was losing my mind. On the left side of the half wall, the kitchen stretched on, far beyond the physical limitations of my building, and filling that impossible space was, and it frightens me to say it, a perfect mirror image of my own. The table, chairs, cupboards, even the overflowing drying rack lay in perfect reverse imitation of my own real kitchen. It was as though the wall of the kitchen had been replaced by a reflective surface, but as far as I could tell, this was not the case. I breathed deep, shaking uncontrollably as I made my way slowly down the hall to the kitchen. I stopped halfway at the linen closet, which sat opposite my bedroom door, and grabbed the broom. I unscrewed the broom handle and clutched it tightly as I would a spear. It did nothing to make me feel safer. I moved slowly, one foot at a time, holding the broom handle out in front of me and breathing heavily. As I got nearer, though, I could see that the discontinuity did not only mirror the kitchen, it was the entire apartment. When I reached the point where the wall had been, I stopped and stretched out my hand. Nothing but empty air. This couldn't be a hallucination, could it? No, something else was at work here. Something real. There was a draft moving through the air, flowing like soft wind, and I realized that the sliding door to the balcony must also be ajar over there. I should close it. That seemed to make sense, at least. I prepared myself to enter the space that should not be. Something about it still made me afraid to close my eyes, so I decided to try my best not to blink before walking over. Come on, you got this. I had a goal now. Simple enough, but still. That small purpose helped quiet the thoughts in my head a little. I swallowed, breathed deep, and walked into the impossible room. Made my way past the chairs, the books, even the fucking picture frames were there. But something about the pictures wasn't right, and I averted my eyes as I passed. I turned right around the half wall and came to face the balcony door. I was right. It was open. However, what I saw beyond the door was not what I had expected. I had prepared myself by taking into account the twisted anti-logic of the discontinuity to encounter a second balcony. This was a whole new deviation. Nonetheless, I made my way through, back into the real living room, and slid the balcony door shut. I sat on the couch again, picked up the half-drunk beer, and took a gulp. Spilled some on my shirt. I didn't know what else to do but try and understand the situation as best I could. There was no balcony anymore. 
From where I sat, I could see the second kitchen to my left, beyond the real one, and through the sliding glass door, I could see the opposing living room, couch and all. Even the bloody half-drunk beer sitting on the coffee table. If I told myself that the kitchen wall and the balcony door were mirrors, I could nearly believe I was still sane. Yeah, I thought. It's just a mirror. Just a big fucking illusion. Reflection. There's the coffee table. My couch. My beer. All that's missing is... I heard a noise behind me, coming from what sounded like the bedroom. A faint thump. Like the sound of something soft, clumsily hitting the floor. I froze. I could feel my eyes tighten. My pulse throbbed sickeningly in my neck. I could feel the cold sweat seeping through my clothes. I had to escape. I clutched the broom handle as tightly as I could and ran for the front door. I grabbed the knob, whipped open the chain lock, and twisted it open in a frenzy. Tears filled my eyes and the scream my body had tried to produce had stopped at the dry lump in my throat. I slammed it shut again, as hard as I could have, and locked it. I pressed my back against the door and let myself slide limply down, down, down onto the floor. There was no exit. Outside the door had just been another entranceway, like my own. An exact reflection. And then I heard the noise again. Thump. Coming from the bedroom. And again. Thump. Louder this time. Thump. The bedroom door opened slowly. Thump. There were footsteps. Thump, thump. They were coming down the hall. I do not know what gave me the strength to move in that instant. Some primal instinct, some basic will to survive kicked in. I would not sit sobbing in a corner, waiting for whatever cruel and impossible fate awaited me. I would not. I launched myself from the entranceway and made for the balcony door. I flew across the kitchen grappled the half wall and swung my weight as best as I could across the living room floor. I snatched the sliding door handle, heaved it open, and burst into the room that should not be. I drove a chop behind me, flicked the lock, and ran left, around the half wall, to face whatever it was that had come from this impossible place, not daring to blink until I passed the boundary back into the real kitchen. I stopped short. The wall had returned. Solid. Real. I would have to go back through the balcony door again, but at least I had the upper hand. The door was locked from this side. I clenched my fist so tightly around the broom handle that my fingernails must be drying blood from my palms. My eyes were stinging now, but I still dared not blink. I could not let the perverse logic of the space get a chance to warp itself again, not while I was still inside it. Then there was another noise. Not the muffled footsteps from before, but a clear, sharp tick. The sound of metal and springs and intricate precision. The sound of the balcony door being locked from the other side. No, I rushed to the sliding door and unlocked it, but it wouldn't budge. I could see the lock switch on the other side, the real side, and it was engaged. I screamed. I swore. I cried. I yanked and tore and heaved and kicked and pounded the door over and over and over. There was no use. 
No matter how much force I put on the damn door, it wasn't going to move. It didn't even shake. As long as it was locked from the other side, I would never be able to open it. I was defeated. My eyes were still open. I refused to let myself blink, and my vision had gone horribly blurry. They burned like fire from the air and from my hysteria, but I couldn't blink. I could not let that happen. I had to keep the real world in sight. And then I saw the figure. I watched with horror through the glass as the figure reclined on my couch. They picked up my half-drunk beer and took a long swig. They were looking in my direction, staring out the glass of the sliding door right at me. By now, my eyes were aching so badly and my vision so impaired that I could scarcely pick out any details, but I knew what it was. The realization of it was the end for me. I have not felt true, unhindered hope or joy or contentment since that moment, and I fear I never shall. The figure on the other side was me. It might have been an hour, maybe two, maybe three, that I knelt there with my forehead against the glass. I never did let my eyes shut that night. I held the lids open for so long that my sight left me entirely. I do not know when it was that I finally slipped into unconsciousness, but it was not of my own free will. When I awoke in the morning, I found myself staring out onto the balcony. The sun was glowing through the trees, and I could see crows flying in the distance. I slid the door open and fell out onto the snow-covered wood and stayed there for a long time, watching the ice crystals melt in my breath. By the time the cold drove me inside, the sun was well up and cars were moving on the roads. In the weeks and months that followed, I paced in and out of that balcony door so many times a day I would lose count by noon. I didn't want to stay in that apartment one moment longer, but the madness of the discontinuity wouldn't let me leave. I was obsessed with finding a way back to the world from which I had come. The breaking point came in March. I can't remember when exactly when the landlord came pounding on my door, responding to multiple noise complaints. I had been attempting to tear down the kitchen wall with a framing hammer. There was a commotion, and I had a few very long talks with police, but eventually the landlord agreed not to press charges so long as I moved out immediately and paid an extra three months' rent to cover the damages. I took the offer. I convinced the cops that I didn't know much about renovating, but I was sick to death of that fucking paint and had to do something about it. It's been a few years now, and I've distanced myself from that place. I've since gotten a new job, made disastrous attempts at love. I've made things work as best I can, going from one day to the next. I've come to think of this world as real. I have no other choice. I will never return to the other side. Not now. As time goes on, it becomes even harder to remember that it ever existed in the first place. To this day, I can't bear looking in the mirror. It seems to me that behind the eyes of my reflection, there is some hint of malevolence. Though at times, it looks more to me like gloating. I remind myself every morning that I am real. I am here. Wherever here is. Impossible or not, 
This world is mine now. I've come to see the obscure beauty in it. There is one thing that reminds me of the world I thought I knew, though. It happens every day when I watch the sun rising. I always expect it to come up in the west, but it never does. It never does. Thanks so much for listening today. I really hope you all enjoyed that. It was kind of a different thing for me, but I really had a good time with it. If you can, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. I'd really appreciate it. And you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Newfound Pod. I also restarted my Instagram, and that's at Newfound Pod also. The site with all my previous episodes is newfoundpod.com. And you can contact me at newfoundpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much to my supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to support me there, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. You can also support me for free by sharing my episodes with your friends and followers. I'll be back again very soon with more spookiness. And I'll have some news on some exciting things happening with the podcast. Thanks again, everyone, and I'll talk to you soon.